Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. I was so touched by the word last week. If you have not been here, I want to highly encourage you to download or to listen to the podcast. Uh, Pastor Shola has shared such a powerful word. Um, one thing he shared when he started off was he shared on his favorite hero story. Now, I am also a Marvel fan. I love Marvel. But there's one that actually stood out for me, but it's not a Marvel movie. And in our household, we always had this thing between DC Comics and Marvel. And that is a rival that's going on in our house. My favorite superhero is Batman. Man, I just love that man. <laughs> and I don't know what it is. Probably his ground entrances that he does when, he need, when, they, when he's needed. Or maybe it's just his sense of justice. Man, that man's got such a sense of justice. Or maybe it's just his moral compass. Compass. Compass that guides him not to take life, even of his enemies, but rather to imprison them. I don't know. Maybe it's just his awesome catches, but I love the guy. Today, our scripture reading, we're going to continue with the greatest story ever. And we were looking at redemption today, and our scripture reading is coming from Romans 5, verse 12 to 21. Uh, the title to it is Death in Adam, Life in Christ. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death, death reigns from Adam to Moses, even over those who sing, even over those singing, over, oh, I'm sorry. Even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. It is many died through one man's trespass, much more. Say with me, much more. Have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, Abound for many. Say abound. And the free gift is not like the result of the one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more, Say that again, much more. Well, those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Christ Jesus, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to the condemnation of all men, so one act of righteousness led to the justification and life of all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. 
so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now the law came to increase the trespass, but where sin increase, grace abounds all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. When I read this scripture, there's a story that comes to mind out of my past. As a young man, a Christian young man, I still was quite arrogant and quite witty. And uh, I remember in 1993, it was before the days of being married to my beautiful wife who helped me become righteous in many ways. <laughs> I remember drive down from Joburg towards Emelacheni on the N12 from a youth camp. And I had my driver's license for about three years at that stage. And as I drove down to Bank, I was following a convoy, a convoy, and I lost the convoy. And in my pursuit to get back to the convoy, I speeded. I exceeded the speed limit. My trespass was, my transgression, I overexceed the speed limit with 50 kilometers an hour on the N12. <laughs> I had a good reason to do that. I, I lost the convoy. <laughs> I violated the law. It's, it's, uh, in, it's intent, the law's intent was to protect me, the young people in my car, but also other road users. The law qualified that I was entitled to a penalty. That moment that traffic officer stood in the, st in the middle of the N12, raising his hands, I thought, this is a brave man. <laughs> no, my heart starts to pound in my chest. And it felt like someone had me around my throat because I know I was guilty. And that moment I saw him, fear came over me. But there was also a moment where I experienced grace. As this officer pulled me off and he Tell me what my offense was. I could not but to say, I'm guilty. I know I've overstepped the boundary. This man, the penalty was imprisonment because I exceeded 160 kilometers an hour. And all I could do is, is I could say to him, please have mercy. Please have mercy. Because I have these people with me I was out of my wits, <laughs> and suddenly I realized I am at the mercy of someone else. And this man felt very sorry for me, and he says to me, I will not imprison you today till your hearing, but you need to be in court on this day. When I appeared at court, I experienced again grace and mercy. 
as the judge ruled and find me guilty and lay the penalty upon me as a young man who only his budget was only uh, consists out of a car, petrol money, and that was it. <laughs> the rest of my budget was consumed with what I had, and it was my car, and to get me to work and back. And he laid the penalty upon me, and it was 600 rand. It was still a lot of money that time. And I just said to him, I said, Judge, I cannot do that. And he says, well, then you need to go to prison. <laughs> I says, please have mercy on me. And this judge took this fine, and he scratched it out, and he reduced my sentence. Every time I read Romans 5, I'm thinking of this story what grace might look like. Now what is the sin that Paul is talking about that has entered the world through one man? In Romans 5 verse 12, Paul wrote and he says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. What is the sin? When I was studying theology, the question came up, what is the origin of sin? I don't know if that has been in your mind. <laughs> but there was a few theories around it. And one was monism. It means that everything has been created from God, good as well as evil. And we know that is not scriptural because God hated sin. The other theory was it is dualism. Is that... Sin and good is two poles that is opposite one another. And the one is as strong as the other. And that there's always this divided between good and bad and light and darkness. And these two forces are equally to one another. We know that the light has overcome the darkness. So therefore, that does rule out that statement. The other one was demonism. Demonism means that it has the power to overburden me. It, it, it actually took control of me. And this is also not true. Because we know that man had a choice. Because he was created in the image of God with free choice. And then there's the creatism. It says that everything outside of God is bad. So creation in itself is bad. And we know that's not true. Because Scripture taught us that when God created, He says, it is good. And everything He has created was good. Then there's the theory of evilism. Where it says that man essentially was created bad. And as he grows to perfectionism, sin will become less till it is vanished. We know that is not true. Because sin is like a spiral. It has, it leads to death. What is the meaning of sin then? In Psalm 51, verse 1 to 2, David wrote this and he says, Have mercy on me after he has sinned, killed his best friend, and take his best friend to be his wife, to be his wife. And he says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, 
according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. What does sin mean? Paul is using three words here, transgression, iniquity, and sin. The Hebrew word for transgression means that I know that the law says that I need to drive at 120 kilometers. And I, I deliberately choose to increase the speed to 160. I know what the law says, but I do the opposite. I know what is right and wrong, but I choose to do the wrong. This is transgression. This is the state that man is in. And then he says, my iniquity. I love the Hebrew word here that it actually describes as a, as a watchmaker who has the ability when a watch breaks to know exactly what's wrong with it. And it's only the watchmaker that can fix the problem in this watch. Our iniquity is that we are so touched and broken by sin that only God can heal and fix His creation. And then he used this word sin to describe the state that man is in, that he found himself in. Sin is an archer word that has been used that I am aiming at a target and I miss it every time. This is what sin did to us. So the origin of sin. When we talk about the origin of sin, we see that we're trying to reason where sin came from so that we can navigate or that we can, we can play the blame game as Adam and Eve did. Because we can say, no, it's not me. I'm being overpowered by someone. No, it's not me. It is part of creation. When Adam and Eve was approached by God, they did not take responsibility. When he asked Adam, why did you do what you did? He says, no, it's the wife you gave me. I tried that once. It didn't work for me. <laughs> when he asked Eve, why did you do what you did? She said, it was the snake. You see, the, the thing that sin did, the, the atrocity of sin, what it created is that we don't want to realize that we are sinners. We ignore it. We deny it. What it does, it made us to transgress, to transgress. It makes us broken, and it made that we miss every time. But you see, there's a danger to sin. The atrocity of sin is this, that there's a danger that if we continue in our sin, it will lead us to a downward spiral. You see, all, aim as, all sin is aimed actually at God. In Psalm 51, verse 4, David says this, Against you and you only have I sinned. No matter what I do or say to my wife and my kids, if, I'm doing, if I would abuse my family, my abuse is actually directed towards God. It is actually getting at God. And my sin is aimed towards God. You see, we don't really want to know our status. It's funny when people are, they have COVID symptoms and you tell them to go and test for COVID. They say, no, I don't have COVID. 
We don't want to know our status. We don't want to acknowledge that we are sinners and that we transgressed. You see, the progressive nature of sin, if we continue with it, we will get to the place where Pharaoh and Saul got to. That their hearts become hardened. And there's nothing that God can do that will redeem your life anymore. Because you became so hardened in your heart. When I was in Ghana, I've been to the castle of Almina. It was a slave castle. And it has these massive black doors that leads into the ocean. And there's a small kind of ramp where the small boats came and docked. And they load the slaves on there. And when those black doors close, you net slaves never return back to Ghana. And they call it the doors of no return. You see, if we continue with our sin, the doors can close upon us. And this is the atrocity of sin. This is the, this is the magnitude of the sin that Paul is trying to bring towards you. But then he goes into it and he says, but much more, much more, as much as sin is, there's something far greater than sin itself. And that is the mercy and the grace of God that outweigh sin. That outweigh your transgression and your wrongdoing, your iniquity. Oh man, I just love it when he says, he comes in Romans 5 verse 15, he says, But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abound to many. Paul used in Romans 5 the abundance word. He used the free gift. He's using much more frequently to emphasize that this gift is far greater than your sin. That God has something far more in store for you than your sin. That He has done something far greater. This is the hero, not the Batman hero. This is the hero Jesus Christ that is coming at a moment in time. And He came to our salvation. And He died for us on the cross. You see... I know when I read this, this, this by Paul, I'm thinking of a telemarketing. I don't know if you remember those. I, I don't have a TV, so I don't know if it's still on TV. But you know what? They will have these adverts where they kind of try to sell things on TV, and they will tell you how great this Genesis vacuum cleaner is. Yeah, is that still on TV? Is that so? so I remember when we had a TV, we saw this vacuum cleaner, and, I, and my wife and myself were looking at this, man. All our troubles is solved by that. <laughs> this thing is an incredible machine. I think this can help us. So we went to the nearest very market and we bought it. But you know what that advert says? It says if you buy this machine at this discounted price, if you buy it now, there's more. And then we will throw in this extra, this extra things to it, you know? And then they said, no, no, wait, 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 there's more. As soon as if you buy now, we will throw all the detergents in as well. And you thought to yourself, but this is a great deal. But deep down in your heart, you know you're actually paying for it. <laughs> you know you've been scammed, actually. When Paul is talking, he is actually the telemarketing expert. 
But you know what? He does not give a two-year guarantee. He's giving a lifelong, ever life, ever eternity guarantee. And that guarantee is not a piece of paper. It's a man. And he says far more. Far more than your sin has God prepared for you. Far more than that is what God has got in store for you. I love it. And, and, and the prodigal son is just that beautiful story for me of it. The prodigal son who has fallen into his sin came to his senses and says, Oh, I'll go back to my father and I will tell him I'm not worthy to be your son anymore. I will go back and ask him to be his servant. What he has bargained for was this vacuum cleaner that after the first was, the second was, wasn't the same. He was hoping to just be restored as a servant. But man, as he has been on his journey, he was looking down ashamed of himself. The father see him in the distance, and he ran to him. He hugs him. He embraced him. He kissed him. He had got to, he got more than what he was bargained for. You see, that is the grace of God. When Paul is talking about this, he's highlighting how the atrocity of sin. But there is something far greater that will tip the scale so far that the scale will actually broke. Because the grace of God is far weightier and far magnificent than your sin. You see, when the son thought he, he got a great deal... But wait, but wait, he got more. He says, while he was a long way off, the father saw him, filled with compassion. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. But wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. But the father said to his servants, bring the best rope, quickly, bring the best rope and put it to him. Put a ring on his finger and sandal on his feet. Bring the fattened calf. Let's have a feast and celebrate. But wait, there's more. For the son of mine. For the son of mine. Who has seen himself only as a servant. God says, the son of mine. This is a guarantee. That's not a two-year guarantee. You cannot take an extended guarantee on it. No, this is an eternal guarantee. You know, when we come to Christ, that's an eternal guarantee. Love how David described it. He says, let me hear the joy of your gladness. Hide not your face from my sin, uh, hide your sa- uh, face from my sin and blot out all of my iniquities. What he has bargained for is creating me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. Cast not away, cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. You see, redemption, redemption, when we, in Romans 5 verse 16, and the free gift is not like the result of that one's man's sin. Redemption. When we come to Christ, that gift is far greater than just being restored as a servant. 
we are sons and daughters. We have eternal life. The scale has completely tilted when God put the weight of grace upon it. You see, sometimes we know that God has redeemed us. We have said yes. But sometimes we still struggle. We all are going to die. We know that is the fate of, of sin. And still we live in the five stages of grief. Denial. Sometimes we deny we have sin. Sometimes we isolate ourselves because of our sin. Because we don't want to be exposed and see for who we are. Sometimes we live still in anger. Anger towards the world around us. And people we filled with bitterness. And it is like redemption has not settled into us yet. It is like it did not take fully root. Sometimes we still want to bargain with God. We will do acts of great service to think that we can still buy our redemption. You see what? We all are still actually still in grief. Because many of us don't hope, have a hope for the future. And we're living in a place of desperation and think that life is not possible. For many of us, we could not overcome the weight of sin and therefore make we accepted it and still live in our sin. You see, redemption is not like that. When David asked that God will redeem him, and the prodigal son, the story of the prodigal son, we read in Psalm 51, verse 16 to 17, For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I will give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifice of God, the sacrifice of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O oh God, you will not despise. You know, there's one thing that when we come in our brokenness, when we acknowledge our sin and our brokenness, and we come and say, Oh God, have mercy upon us. Where redemption starts to work its way through us. We're still going to live in, a, in denial. We are still full of pride. You see, a broken spirit, a broken heart, a contrite heart, is what start to bring forth redemption. How do we know that we are redeemed? How do we know? That what is the fruit of redemption? David goes on in Psalm 51, verse 13 to 15. He says, Then I will teach transgressors your way, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. You see, David knew 
what his sin is going to cost God. He knew it's going to cost Jesus to die on the cross. But he also knew that redemption, when it works his way through his life, that he will not be able to keep quiet, that he will teach transgressors and sinners his way. You see, how we know that Redemption has worked its way through our lives is that we can we look at this grace that out abounds the sin and I cannot keep quiet anymore. People around me become to know Jesus because I'm teaching sinners and transgressors his way. When the redemption is starting to work its way throughout my life, I cannot keep quiet of what God has done for me. During COVID, was a young man, actually a doctor now, Tabang, Emmanuel Malish Tabang, Taban, who was a Sudanese refugee, who by foot went to Ethiopia and finds his way by bus and foot towards South Africa. And missionaries took pity on him and showed mercy to him and helped him to educate and during COVID, this man has become a forerunner on how to save COVID patients. You can read his story as it's described in the news. Tabang said this following. He says, in South Sudan, we have the, the, the capabilities to match the rest of the world we need to make sure that the children of South Sudan hear my story, that there is a child who used to be homeless, who used to beg for food on the street, has done something great in this world. You see, the Bang's life was a redeemed life. And he's in a venture to go and help others to find redemption. Because there was missionaries who took pity, and showed mercy to him in his state. A redeemed life is a life that bears fruit. A redeemed life is a life that makes disciples. As we close, can I ask that you stand with me as we pray? Lord, we come humbly before you. Lord, we know the atrocity of our sin. We know how great our sin has been, but greater is your mercy. Greater is the work that you have done. And Jesus, we look at your beauty. We see what you've done, Father. And Lord, we want to say thank you for the cross. We want to say thank you for your mercy that is so abundant. As Paul described it to us, that it outweighs all of our sin. That your mercy is free. That your mercy is abounding. That your mercy is much more 
than we could ever have hoped for. You have restored us unto sonship. And we thank you for that, Father. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Hide your face from our sin and blot out our iniquities. O oh Lord, create in us a clean heart. O oh God, a new and a right spirit within us. Cast not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from us. Restore unto us the joy of our salvation and uphold us with a willing spirit. While every head is bowed, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. If, you, if there's not fruitfulness in your life, maybe as I speak, spoke through those five stages of grief, you identify something in your life that needs to change. I want to pray for you for breakthrough. If you want me to pray with you and say, Stiam, just pray with me. I want to be more fruitful. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand while every head is bowed. If you trust God for more fruitfulness in your life, just take that moment and say, Lord, I need breakthrough. I need breakthrough. I need redemption. I need joy. <laughs> Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Let us pray. Father, you have seen all of the hands that went up. And dear God, we want to come and we want to say, Jesus, only you can do the miracle. Only you can do the wonder. And Lord, I pray that redemption will work its way through our souls, through our hearts, through our spirit, O oh Lord, as he works his way through the dough. And restore us, Father. Restore the joy of our salvation. And Lord, I pray that the fruit of that would be fruitfulness. That our mouths will no longer be quiet. That we will tell transgressors of your way. That we will tell sinners of your way. Because the joy of our salvation has been restored. Father, I pray for breakthrough. I, I pray, fathers, I, I am cannot comprehend what everyone is going through, Father. You know where they are at. And Father, I pray for a miracle. I pray for a breakthrough right now, Lord, that you will touch them and that you will renew the joy of their salvation unto them. I pray this in Jesus' name. While we're still in that moment of prayer, if, if, if you have not been giving... If you have not choose to follow Jesus, or maybe you, you feel like you forgot the way, I want to give you the opportunity. If you say, Tiam, pray with me, I want to make a recommitment, or I have never made a commitment for Jesus in my life before, I want to give you that opportunity today. Can I ask you, while every head is still bowed, can I ask you to raise your hand? Can I ask you, if we can pray with you. If you would be so bold as to say, Tiam, pray with me. Is there anyone amongst us?
you can feel welcome to even join us when our ministry team is up front here and you feel you need to make right with God, we will be here waiting for you and help you. Lord, bless us. Let your face shine upon us. Fathers, I pray I just sense your joy about us. I just experience your absolute pleasure upon us, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.